0: Alright, sorry I forgot to turn my microphone on. My apologies to people who are joining via the live stream. We're looking at strange landmarks in the United States and we're trying to identify what state they're from. So first of all, has anyone actually seen either of these in person? Okay, so we started out, no, nobody's seen these in person. Anybody know by any chance where the large chest of drawers, the world's largest chest of drawers, where it is from? High Point, North Carolina, that is where the chest of drawers is located if you want to go see it. Okay, I told you the other one actually borders that state so can you guess? South Carolina. Gaffney, South Carolina is where you'll locate the Peachoid if you want to go check that out sometime. Alright, we got four Next four on the next slide, alright? We got the Corn Palace in the upper left corner, we got Carhenge in the upper right corner, We got a giant basket office building in the bottom left and in the bottom right is the world's largest six-pack. Okay, so go ahead and talk amongst people who are close to you and if you've seen them in person, you know right where they're at probably, but... Okay, the one on the upper left is easy because it actually says it right on the building. It's in South Dakota. Anybody know the city? Mitchell, South Dakota. Very good. Mitchell, South Dakota. And this is an amazing thing. Anybody ever been to Mitchell, South Oh, we got quite a few. Okay, I've seen it personally as well. Every year, they change the design on the outside of the building because it's made of burned corn husks and and, the, and just the different parts of the corn that they put on the building and changed the murals. So, it's pretty, pretty unique, the corn palace in Mitchell, South Dakota. Alright, how about the one on the upper right, Carhenge? Anybody know where that one's from? It's from, did somebody say it? Did I hear Nebraska? It is from Nebraska. It's from Alliance, Nebraska. And it is meant to look like Stonehenge from England, only it's made of cars. Okay, so that actually exists in the United States. Anybody know where the office building that looks like a huge basket is from? It is from Ohio. Newark, Ohio is exactly where that is located. And hopefully, some, anybody seen any of those? Okay, some Ohio people have maybe seen that one. Anybody see Car, Carhenge in Nebraska? Okay, what about the last one, the world's largest six-pack? You know where that is? It's in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Cheated a little bit. It used to be an old-style brewery and now it's called City Brew or Lacrosse Lager. And so actually, that is kind of what it would look like if you went by it today. There's six giant towers that are at the brewery and they call it the world's largest six-pack. Alright, two more quick ones. Right, the world's largest fork and then we have the one on the right that we'll talk about in just a little bit. Can okay, anybody know where the world's largest fork is located? Of all of these roadside attractions, this is the hardest one to find, I'm told. It's in Springfield, Missouri, but it is the largest fork that is sticking out of the ground, apparently. Um, Anybody know where that last one is? It was built in 1982 for a World's Fair. It's on a campus in the southeast. Not too long ago, there was a, oh, probably five years ago, there was a youth rally there in Knoxville, Tennessee. All right? The golden sphere is there. It's 262 feet tall. And I thought about that when I saw that picture because I I, I thought about what it would have been like when Nebuchadnezzar put up his giant gold statue on the plains of Dura. We're told that it was 60 cubits high, which is about 90 feet high, which isn't obviously nearly as tall as 262 feet, but still, it's on a plain. It's flat. And if you know anything about the Middle East, you know that it's very sunny most of the time. And so can you imagine for how far away the sun, from how far away people could see the sun shining off of that giant gold statue that Nebuchadnezzar had made on the plains of Dura? And so tonight as we kind of talk about that statue and talk about how it factored into the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they refused to bow to it, we're going to talk about it in terms of how that was the new normal for them, but how even in the midst of the new normal they knew what was important and what to hold on to. All right, we're gonna read a few chapters from Daniel chapter three, starting or a few verses from Daniel chapter three, starting in verses one to six. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up and they stood before it. All right, as we kind of think about this a little bit, I'm not trying to tell you that idols were a new thing to like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They certainly knew about idol worship from living in the land of Israel. The surrounding nations around them had certainly influenced the people of Israel. There was plenty of Baal worship as well as other gods to go around. But what was different about coming to Babylon and the new normal that they were experiencing there was that they were directly affected because they were asked to be part of it. Did you notice from the words that Nebuchadnezzar proclaimed that nobody really could escape this? That everyone had to bow down to this idol, or else they would be thrown into the blazing furnace? And so the music sounds. And of all the people that bowed down to the ground, there were three that did not. Those three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I figure they were pretty easy to spot. I'm going to take you back maybe to your childhood, if you watched things that my children watched when they just about the same age as you guys. Have you ever seen Rack, Shack, and Benny from VeggieTales? Do you remember the big chocolate bunny that they set up, right? And then you see these guys and they're standing up and everybody else is bowing down. All you can see is they're they're looking up at them like, why aren't you guys bowing down, right? Yeah, they were easy to spot. They were the only ones that weren't bowing down. And they got told on, right? They got reported to King Nebuchadnezzar and, and he wants to give them a second chance. He says, here's the deal. I'm upset with you. I'm angry. But if you choose to bow down, great. But if you don't, and here's where you really see his fury, he says, you're going to immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. And then he adds this phrase, and then what God will be able to save you from my hand? Almost sounds like a challenge, doesn't it? Directly daring God to say, I can save these guys from your hand, Nebuchadnezzar, because I'm greater than you are. And the response that those three guys had to Nebuchadnezzar was pretty amazing because they're staring death in the face. They know they're going to be thrown into this blazing furnace by the choice they're about to make. And yet they still refuse to bow down. Here's what they said. Chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your hand, your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up." I'm sure you remember the rest of the story if you're familiar with this story that Nebuchadnezzar's fury boils over. He actually orders the fire to be heated seven times hotter which is probably a way of saying make it as hot as you possibly can. Do you remember that when the guards that took Nebuchad- or took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up to the opening of the furnace, it was so hot that the guards died? But they put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that fire, and of course no harm came to them at all. As a matter of fact, as Nebuchadnezzar was looking through what must have been some sort of viewing window, he said there were four people in the fire. And the fourth one looked like a son of the gods. Was it an angel? Was it Jesus? The Bible doesn't directly tell us. But God was certainly protecting Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from suffering any harm. As a matter of fact, when they came out of the fire, do you know that not a single hair, the Bible says, on them was singed? And they didn't even smell like smoke. Standing in the middle of the fire and there wasn't even the smell of smoke on them. God did exactly what they thought he might. God saved them and in the process, he proved, not just to, ne- to those three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but to Nebuchadnezzar as well, that God is the one who is in control. God is the one who has power over all things. Here's my favorite part of the story. You remember that that led Nebuchadnezzar to make a confession? Nebuchadnezzar actually confessed that there was no God in all of the world like the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No other God could save in the way that their God saved. And then he actually made a decree as well. His decree basically said, if you don't worship or if you say something against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, then your houses will be destroyed and you will be cut into pieces. That must be the favorite punishment of the Babylonians, I guess. do you see what God accomplished? By by these three guys saying, you know what, no matter what happens to us, God is in control and we're not going to bow down to a false idol. By doing that, they actually brought benefits and blessings both to Nebuchadnezzar but to their people as well. All of a sudden, it was not just legal but encouraged for people in the Babylonian empire to worship the true God. So I think about today and I think about us and I think about the new normal and I think about refusing to bow and I, and I thought to myself, what a challenge we've all faced over the last few months, right? Things that we couldn't have prepared ourselves for, things that we didn't know were going to happen. I, I don't know how, where you're at or what you're thinking but I'm sure that there's some of you sitting out there tonight that say, if I don't ever have to take another Zoom class ever again in my life, that would be okay. Right? Maybe you're wondering, are we ever going to be able to get together legally, socially for larger gatherings than nine people? Because i not to say under 10 or something like that, right? Or are there ever going to be badger football games that we can attend again and enjoy uh, singing buttercup and jumping around together, right? You think about all of those things and, and it's easy to get frustrated, isn't it? And I thought to myself, how have I done? And, and maybe you can ask yourself this question tonight. How have I carried myself through the whole pandemic? Has, has every time that I've thought something or said something or talked to other people, have I given the impression that I have an unwavering trust in God? That's what those three guys did as they stared that fire in the face, didn't they? They had an unwavering trust in God that, that even when everything seemed horrible, that they could hold on to what God was promising. And I think That some of you can relate to my shortcomings a little bit. Frustration has spilled over more than one time in the last few months and complaints have been out of my mouth before I even realized what I was saying. I've been dissatisfied with the way life is going more than once. And here's the problem with that. Isn't it fair for me to say that my dissatisfaction with life and the way it's going is really dissatisfaction with God? Because I'm asking myself, well, why is all of this happening? And I'm and I, not holding on to the promises that God has made to me fully. But those words, the words that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego spoke are words that you can say every single day. God will save. The God that we serve will save us. The God who we know as the one who loves us so much that he sent his only son He's going to see us through the difficulties that we're facing right now. He is going to save us too. And that means we can live with confidence. We can live knowing that no matter what happens in the next days or weeks or months or or years, it doesn't change the fact that you're already called God's own child. A redeemed son or daughter of the king. Someone who has an eternal life that is already prepared for them. A place in heaven with your name on it. That's what God has promised you. That's the confidence that we can live with. And, and, and when those frustra- frustrating times in life come, when the ups and downs come, we simply look up and say, the God who loved me so much to die for me, he's going to take care of me. What, what do I have to be concerned about? What do I have to be worried about? It's Jesus and the love that Jesus has for us that, that molds and shapes our attitude and, and gives us opportunity to glorify him. It's easy to cave sometimes under the pressures of life and the frustrating things that are happening. But taking a cue from those three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the idea of refusing to bow even when life pushes us down, we can do that in the same way that they can, that they did, through a trust in a God who loves us unconditionally and eternally. A couple of takeaways from our devotion tonight. Number one, when we face challenges to our faith, we trust that God has our back, just like he did those three guys. He actually invites you to call upon him in the day of trouble. He will deliver you and you can honor him. Then number two, God has already saved us from sin and for eternity. That's the, the joy that we have every single day and that's what gives us confidence to stand up for him. Nothing can change where you're headed for eternity no online classes, no lack of social interaction, no quarantining, none of that can change what God has already won for you in Jesus. And that gives us opportunity to stand out when we talk to others. It's really what Jesus wants, isn't it? That's the opportunity that he's given us through this whole thing. By our attitudes, by our words, by our opportunities to praise God in the midst of even some difficult times, we can really stand out as people who have a message to share a joy to give to others, a confidence that people are searching for. Jesus said it this way, Let your light shine before people that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As you let the love of Jesus shape your attitude about every single day of your life, that's when you can shine for others and let others see exactly what Jesus means and exactly what he brings, not just for you, but for all people as well. Amen. All right, anybody have any uh, prayer requests tonight? I did get one prayer request tonight that uh, um, Thanksgiving for a couple of things. First of all, freedom for the prisoners from Celery and Witty, And also a little bit of hope, I think, right, from what I saw went out to students today that maybe some in-person things might be returning as soon as this weekend and early into next week. So we'll just pray that those things continue. Anything else that people would like me to pray about tonight? All right, let's pray about those two things. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for reminding us today of the status that we have as your dear children and heirs of eternal life. We know that you will always watch over us, that you've already saved us from sin and and saved us for an eternity with you. We ask you to shape our attitudes, forgive the times when we have uh, been filled with frustration and complaints, and remind us that with you on our side, there is nothing that can stand against us. Guide us through the difficulties that we are facing, Lord, with the cheerfulness that comes from knowing a place in heaven with you is secured, And bless us as we witness to your love, that your love to us as we interact with others. Today, we thank you for uh, the restrictions that have been lifted, not just for uh, the students in Celery and Whitty Halls, but but also for all of the students as some in-person instruction is, is, God willing, going to return. We pray that you continue to bless our students with health Uh, Keep them safe from uh, any complications from COVID or anything else as well. And give us all a trust, Lord, that you are with us every single day. We pray all these things in our Savior Jesus' name. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.